Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley, the editor of Accounting Web, and welcome to No Accounting for Taste, a podcast for accountants. And I'm joined, as always, by Accounting Web's Editor-in-Chief, John Stockdike. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, uh, Richard. It's always a pleasure. Uh, well, today on the podcast, we're tackling the big headlines from the past week, including SEISS and the new CGRS guidance. And our main discussion point in today's program is cryptocurrency and accountancy. And our guest today is an expert in cryptocurrency. Uh, so much so that he's launched the UK's first dedicated blockchain and cryptocurrency advisory business. Uh, welcome to the show, Joe David, the founder and MD of Minor Accountants. Is that how you pronounce it, Joe? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Minor. Minor is correct. And, and Joe, um, we, were here, we might hear a little bit of background noise because you're back in the office today. Things are returning somewhat back to normal. So what's it like returning back to the, the office and mingling with people again? Yeah, it's great. We, we've actually um, been in and out. We've got quite a big office space for a small amount of uh, team, really. So we, we've kind of been in and out and, and rotating a little bit for quite a while. So um, we've really been able to experience being a team again, which is nice. So, But now nice as well. We can go for a drink after work, maybe. Indeed. Yeah, that, that is some of the benefits, although you're going to have to bring your blanket because it might be immediately yeah. outside. Um, well, we'll start the podcast as we always do with a rundown of the most read articles of the past week on accountingweb.co.uk. So this past week was dominated by compliance heavy topics, as you may imagine, as we've got uh, the self-employed income support scheme, new grant upcoming, we've got new guidance from CGRS. So it is a very compliance heavy week, uh, these pa this past seven days on the site. Um, so let's move over to the third most read story from the past seven days. And this was a write-up from Kate Upcraft, our payroll expert, who digged into the details of the new CGRS scheme extension, which runs from the 1st of May until the 30th of September. But unfortunately, it uncovers a new round of calculation challenges. So much so, one account of web member said that they felt their blood pressure rising just reading the, uh, the article. John... Um, did, did you have a chance to take a look at this piece? And I, I get the same, <laughs> I'm afraid I do fall into the same result. I mean, you know, th thank goodness, you know, or, or I thank my lucky stars, I don't have to compile, well, the the the, um, the calculations and things, but even my, my partner is, is on flexible furlough and, and looking at her payslip, you know, was just a complete mystery to us. And, you know, and I, I've read Kate's theoretical guidance, so, so, you know the the people on the end of it. It's it's just completely perplexing for. But spare a thought for the uh, payroll managers and accountants who are left having to to work out all the different rules that apply for different tax years and things. And and every scheme seems to change. So so it's um it's it's a bit frustrating. Uh, uh, you know that there's the risks of, of of fraud and abuse that we've heard about. So so the HMRC as it as is its habit, you know, is always adding new anti 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 fraud tweaks and 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 updating. You know, there's reasons to update, other reasons to update, but it it does just add to the overall administrative burden. Um, and you know, this is why Kate. I mean, Kate 
specializes this and has done a, a just absolute stalwart job for us over the past year but but i sense i sense she's beginning to experience a bit of exasperation as well i guess having to answer the same niggly questions each time there's a new scheme i think exasperation is a key word there john a lot of a lot of our readers have been dealing with this particular issue for uh, well over 12 months at least now um and i think the day we record is actually the anniversary of the day that the um the actual platform was launched in order to claim the the guidance yeah, if I'm um, not mistaken, I, Richard, I think that was the biggest single traffic day we've pretty much ever experienced. Although, no, possibly one of one of uh, maybe one of your there was maybe one other article during coronavirus might have might have taken us higher. But yeah, that 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 just shows the scale of the the challenge. You know, there's so much information people need to absorb, interpret, and apply that that, that as I say, I'm 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 in awe of the people who do it. Although there's also the challenge for accountants who've kind of helped out you know through a crisis of the drain that's put on their um their margins and 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 forced them to confront with clients and themselves whether to charge for it that that's been a constant debate on the site as well it's been one of those big debate topics um i've even seen a post on our any answers forum from one of our um one of our regular readers who uh, i think they're they're just thrown in the towel at the moment and they're ready to retire and they celebrated the fact by saying, no more uh, furlough claims for me. Um, Joe, how about yourself? Have you had to deal with this particular headache? Yeah, personally, no. Um, the, the, the team have been managing managing the, um, the furlough side of things. But for, uh, on, on the, the pricing piece, you know, we I'm very firm believer of, you know, we're pricing on value of what the client's receiving and, and ultimately they're receiving huge value by us being able to process this claim for them. So we have charged a nominal fee uh, throughout throughout the whole pandemic, actually, um, uh, in order to, to to process them. But we have actually slowly we, we've got we haven't got many left on furlough, if I'm honest. Um, so we've we've slowly started to wind down those charges now. But I felt that there was a value to be offered and, and our value should be recognized. So yeah, on that debate, we have we have been charging. It feels like it's going to be like a, a new life once we get over furlough. That's when we know we're back to normal when exactly. furlough finishes. Uh, well, let's move on to our second most read story of the past week, which is the news that HMRC introduced further changes on the 6th of April to tackle the construction industry scheme abuse. Um, and so this was the news that HMRC can, has the power to now amend and restrict the CIS deduction figure claimed on RTI by the employment payment summary to the amount which matches any evidence either held or provided to HMRC. Um, uh, there was a number of other sort of minor changes as well, but CIS is one of those topics which just keeps coming up and up uh, on, on the site. John, did you have any thoughts on, on, on this story? Yep, I mean, I think it's a, a parallel or a corollary. I mean, it's constructions um, under the under the microscope and, and construction fraud has been under the microscope uh, i think as the article made clear for those with long memories you know going back to the to the 70s uh, fraud fraudulent tax uh, behaviors in construction you know, hmrc is always trying to or comes comes back on on, on with different approaches to try and uh, i mean cis itself is is a whole regime designed to uh, to suppress that activity um the reactions 
of our members were interesting that there are these measures that HMRC is using its data um, to to police compliance more effectively. But the accounting web members, uh, the debate was fascinating on that story in particular. Um, you know, one one of one of the there was sort of two angles. One, and, and in this, since we have a digital accounting expert with us, it's a good one to pick up. Is um, why is HMRC not able to support any APIs on on CIS yet? Because the big problem is is, is sort of knowing who's reported and how much uh, gross pay and, and tax you know they're they're um, registering with HMRC and, and and handing across. And on the other side, um, uh, one of the common complaints was was quite often HMRC's, you know, got overpayments and other sides. You know, there's, HMRC has these kind of client accounts um, and in, in a bank, you can see, you know, what the, um, you know, debits and credits are on the account and where, where it stands. Uh, so, so accountants are wondering, you know, HMRC is using all these great things for its purposes, but why can't it actually show that data and, and show let let taxpayers and their advisors know what's what is in the account you know, where the account stands and that actually allows the the agents to sort of police you know errors that they're finding errors their clients may may or if, if they're if they can see their client is became coming to um you know behave in a non-compliant way they can address that as well so you know enlist the profession's help but you've got to give them the information and not sort of keep everybody in the dark and, and apply this sort of, yeah, sort of slightly big brothery enforcement uh, kind of ethic. It, it's, it's it, yeah, it, it, it's a, as so often these, these are cultural traits and, and, and I think technological limitations that, that crop up quite a lot of places. So yeah, but you know, on you know, another source of friction and frustration, and and you know, another sign of the way HMRC's ever-changing compliance regime just does impose a burden on business and on their advisors. Joe, is this a particular issue that you've had to deal with? Have you got any clients in the construction industry? Yeah, yeah, we do have a few clients in the construction industry, and I think that I think you know, John, you made a good point, you know, around HMRC's ability if you like to provide data and i think that's the key issue of all these things because it's not so much i wouldn't have so much of a problem with it if i knew that hmrc were going to be accurate with their with their finding but they're so often incorrect with what what they end up talking to us as agents about and 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 telling the clients they owe and you know whatnot and it's that that's the challenge for me is it's one thing being because you know i notice they're they're going to stop claims or they're going to you know reduce reductions of of um you know, deduction, sorry, of, uh, of claims and stuff. And it's like, that's fine if they've got the accurate data. But like you say, when we can't even check the data that they've got, it seems a little bit unfair, doesn't it, to, to, to prevent a deduction being applied without any kind of like checking process, if you like, that that is accurate. Um, you know, we're all humans, none of us are perfect. So, you know, HMRC should should be willing to open that up. Um, but it's the same with quite a few taxes. Um you know, it's the same with VAT. In order to get a VAT statement, sometimes we have to ring them up and get one sent to us, you know, which is ridiculous in this day and age. So um, I think, yeah, HMRC definitely need to look at that. Um, and I think all tax advisors, and to be honest, the majority of clients would be more than happy with HMRC doing an element of the job for them by reconciling things at the back end if they could review it, check it, and, and verify it. Thanks, Joe. Let's move on to our most read story of the past 
seven days, which is SEISS is back in the top slot um, with the news that HMRC will be contacting taxpayers who have met all eligibility requirements for the fourth uh, self-employment income support scheme grant. John, this was a story which you wrote, you're in the top slot, um, but self-employment uh, self scheme um, is, uh, is is still setting the uh, discussion on the site, isn't it? Yeah, Richard. Well, I'm, I'm humbled to be in the company of you and people like Rebecca Cave and Bennyworth and Kay Upcraft, for, who who usually hold these 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 <laughs> revered positions at the top of the traffic ladder on accounting web. Um, and it is just because I was uh, I was sitting on the hot desk when when the um, kind of news, you know, the, the latest update on, on HMRC's uh, uh, sort of pre-claim checks for for the fourth SEISS grant. Um, and to be honest, I think I'm riding on the shoulders of Rebecca Cave a little bit because she sort of broke the story in March uh, when uh, she was raising the issue of, of HMRC was approaching self-employed people and, and asking them if they had, um, had genuinely experienced a uh, um, you know, suffered from from the pandemic and and sort of checking on their entitlement. Um, the the fourth grant as well is one of the differences is that they've actually added an, the new tax returns that they could that they have they can review that for the the nineteen twenty tax year. So so that HMRC can now see whether or not uh, people you know there's a they can do the check in the background again whether people are eligible. So that was what was driving the the communication program um and and it, you know there was some hurdles but there was a, a rebecca did raise the prospect if you didn't reply in time it looked like a scam you know would you lose your entitlement that was the rule but um i think if if there if you you genuinely were entitled and and, and you missed the chance or didn't review i think there was still scope probably to to query that and sort of effectively appeal to hmrc although i don't think it's a formal process um, so lots of tweak again, more hoops for claimants to jump through, more complicated calculations for advisors to do. Um, one, one thing I did want to, to flag as well is it's not always enforcement. Actually, to give HMRC their due, they've also looked at people who whose returns indicated that they might be eligible. So they are reaching out, and, and part of the communication is to alert people who may now be eligible that they can claim and and, and sort of inviting them that you know when the claim window will open which is literally in, in the next few days hopefully so so some positive um issues to, to the checks that, that are going on and, and that's i think to kind of get everything in, in get everyone lined up so when the window does open there will be fewer fewer people to sort of weed out you know it should they're trying to sort of thin thin the uh, problems out before the windows open so again there's some practical reasons for it but you know, it's for the second time. It, it is the third time. It's like a broken record. Um, this, you know, SEISS four. There's another um, one coming along that's going to look at the turnover reduction. And, you know, going to phase it so more, more adjustments and tweaks. And you know, HMRC's reasons for checking eligibility, trying to suppress just outright fraud, they're all understandable and sensible, but. But again, it just it adds up to constant niggly change for for taxpayers, you know, grant claimants and and accountants who are assisting with the claims. 
and I, you know I, I do just sort of sigh to myself because it's just it's just such a microcosm of the tax system as a whole there's just always the niggling and the tweaking and the updating and, and you can't just have a kind of basic mechanism you know that, that doesn't change every year or every every uh, every quarter and, and now we're getting to with with these these grant schemes so it's it's a bit of a sort of resignation on that front really but uh, resigned exasperation for for on behalf of our members uh, you know, on John's point around HMRC and, and, and stuff, you know, I, I personally have no problem with them doing compliance checks um, because, you know, why why wouldn't they and why, and why shouldn't they? Um, I think, you know, the public would be the first to jump up and down if, you know, if there was a load of fraud going on that nobody ever looked into. So I, th- I don't have a problem with the with the compliance checks as such. And, you know, and the fact that they're bringing in people that they feel might be able to claim, like you say, is, is a positive. And, and, and there is always going to be a challenge, isn't there, around... How do you how do you put a simple scheme in place that, as John said, doesn't need to keep changing, but at the same time covers all basis in an ever changing world? And I think that's the challenge. You know, people. You know, I'm I'm not HMRC's biggest fan in any stretch of the imagination, but I think people give governments and 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 you know government organisations a hard time unfairly in some circumstances because they have got an ever-changing environment to deal with. Um, and I think that's also challenging, you know, from when the furlough scheme was first announced and, and the, uh, you know, and, and when the, uh, you know, the first um, SEISS scheme was, was announced, the, the world is very different to where it is today, you know. So, yeah, I think, I think they have a difficult job. I'm not, I'm not condoning them and I'm not saying that they're the best people in the world, but I do think they have a difficult job on their hands to, to keep things simple um, with, with everybody having different scenarios. Well, funny you should say about a difficult job of keeping things <laughs> simple because that we now move over to our main discussion, which is a, about cryptocurrency and accountancy. And cryptocurrency is a topic which can sometimes not seem so simple, which, Joe, is the reason why, I guess, you've opened up this new advisory crypto specialist practice. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's a, it's a, it, I was chatting to someone this morning about this and you know, everybody's scenario in crypto is different. Everybody's got a different, uh, you know, different kind of experience of what they have done in, in the space and, and where their income's coming from and all that sort of stuff. So there is no, uh, there is no one way to do it in a lot of, a lot of senses. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an entertaining space to be in, to say the least. So we're talking about cryptocurrency today because this is just off the back of HMRC releasing mm. a manual on cryptocurrency, something which Joe, you wrote a, uh, a great article for us on the site and everyone please do check it out but before we move into the, the gritty detail about what's in the manual and some of the the finer details about cryptocurrency what led to you opening up a, a crypto practice was it just due to uh, your own personal interest in this particular topic or you just found that you had an, a, a more and more clients dabbling with cryptocurrency yeah um first thing i must say i'm really disappointed that i wasn't in the top three um so that <laughs> so uh yeah next time we need to make sure I'm yeah, the next uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta build build the awareness you know give give, give it yeah. a year or two we'll 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 we'll, yeah. we'll build it to the yeah the, the, the crypto compliance plan the, the c 
CCP, when the HMRC comes out with that, then you'll be the top peak, peak of the You could have at least that. lied, knowing that I was on the podcast. <laughs> you could have just lied and put me in the top three for my ego. But no. Um, so no, if, uh, if yeah. it makes you feel any better, we are selling an NFT of your, your article. So um, oh, hopefully that, that, should, that, should, uh, that should be uh, okay. But carry on, yes. Um, we'll <laughs> yeah, sorry. So uh, for me, yeah, two, two angles. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a personal space that I... I'm hugely involved in and hugely uh, kind of um, kind of like in, really enjoy and, and want to be part of. So that that was part of it. You know, you've got to enjoy what you do, um, and so that was the first part of it. But also, you know, niching an accountancy, I think, is very difficult. Um, and I know you know we'll come on to to specialisms and stuff in a bit. But you know, I think it's a very difficult thing to do in accountancy in in a space that I would argue is interesting. And I and for me. You know, cryptos being so interesting and, and the whole blockchain platform being so interesting, it, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to have an opportunity to niche in a space that I really, really enjoyed. And um, you, you said crypto is becoming big and big. How big is it becoming? So in, in terms of um, um, a, a typical client, what do they look like? What, what, what's, what's that client going to be dabbling in? Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the market cap of, of all cryptos added together um, recently passed the $2 trillion mark. So, you know, there's, it's quite big. <laughs> you know, there's quite a lot, quite a lot going on. And obviously, that's heavily at the moment. I think 55 or so percent of that is, is Bitcoin dominant. So, you know, Bitcoin is a big part of it. I think the, the difference we've got is we've got some people that are, that are trading small, small currencies here and there, not doing a great deal with it um and you know that's fairly straightforward in one sense and then there's a whole world around that um around um things called staking for example where you can kind of be part of the blockchain and part of building the blockchain um and there's also you know you can you can earn rewards for mining so you can again earn rewards for for mining coins and stuff so it you know there's it's not just as simple as i trade one one cryptocurrency for another there's a there's a whole world kind of behind it if you like and and you mentioned nfts you know nfts is is also coming up in the you know in the space now and um yeah so for us you know a typical client i couldn't give you because every single client we've got is very different um and we're working with um exchange platforms so we've got uh you know a platform that uh, for example like coinbase that'd be the easiest one for everyone to to recognize given their recent ipo um we've got a, obviously a much smaller platform but we've got a platform uh, that we do the accountancy uh, and, and kind of advisory and management accounts and stuff for um and then we've got lots of individual traders as well so it's a real range if you like of of the kind of whole crypto crypto market uh- <clears throat> Joe, you kind of joined us, Richard, for neglected to mention because it's such a major essential piece, but but actually you are appearing with us on the uh, podcast during uh, FinTech Week 21, um, where where, where the Treasury got involved. Rishi Sunak has put forward his plans to sort of facilitate the UK uh, FinTech um, uh, industry. And and even as we speak, I think our tech correspondent, Maddie Christopher, is, is sitting in on a a webinar about how cryptocurrencies are going to shape the world, and and one of those announcements the Treasury's made is is they're actually um, wanting or you know beginning to explore and prototype the possibility of a, of a centralized banking digital currency. Um, you know, it's, so so on that that front, um, you know, how do you how do you see crypt, crypto assets and cryptocurrencies shaping the world as we know it? 
yeah, and I, th- I think for me, you know, this is why I like, I, I, you know, I love you know, the space as well, you know, because, you know, that for me, the crypto uh, platform, you know, has been given, you know, Bitcoin is obviously going to be the, the main one that everyone's going to think about and listen to, you know, listen for and, and whatnot. But the, the platform behind that, there's so much more to it than, than just that. And I think. For me, the future of, of our world, if you like, is, is 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 going that way. Now, whether cryptocurrency is the answer is, I guess, is debatable right now. But the future of our world is is digital. We've all seen that in the last twelve months. You know, if we weren't digital in certain aspects of the last twelve months, we certainly are now. Um, so, I think it's the future, and I think some of the stuff that that is coming off the back of you know some of these smart contracts, for example, Ethereum um, as a as a platform. Uh, because what people don't always realize as well is the currency itself is is a token on behalf of a platform nine times out of ten. Um, so, for example, you know, Ethereum's platform um, is what a lot of apps are now built on. And it's a decentralized platform and they're called dApps because they're decentralized apps. Um, they're built on on the platform of Ethereum, um, which, you know, is, is allowing businesses now to create what we call smart contracts to, uh, you know, validate transactions and validate, you know, situations. And I think, you know, a basic example of that might be an insurance underwriting process. You know, at the moment, an insurance underwriting process is, you know, in, in the main is, is an individual manual effort that, that a human being makes and, 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 you know, one human being can make a different decision to a second human being. Um, and, and some of this is around the smart contracts being able to standardize some of that, uh, process so it, it kind of comes back into the into the accounting world you know of the automation and things like that that we've got in you know in, in the typical accounting world it's a lot of this crypto stuff is trying to do that as well it's trying to modernize things and, and bring the world you know in the, you know in the masses into into a more modern place so i think you know people do get confused with the wrong word but people don't necessarily un- understand because why would they without looking into the background that there's more to it than the the front-facing cryptocurrency market, if that makes sense. Yeah, the sort of infrastructure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the uh, the, the updated guidance which HMRC released at the end of March. This was a new internal document, which um, I think the aim of it was to create a more concise and easier to navigate set of guidelines, uh, which. It is fascinating in, in its own way that HMRC is is tackling this. Now it goes to show the rise of interest in, in cryptocurrency. So, Joe, you put together the piece. What's some of the, the, the main key points from this um, th- these guidelines which um, people should be aware of? And, and does it really bring that clarity which people were um, looking for? I mean, in short, no, it doesn't bring clarity. And I think part of that is because... You know, there's a lot of this guidance is already there. Um, it was just they now put it together in a more kind of manual basis, like they have with with a lot of the other taxes and, and stuff. So the majority, I think, I think I said about ninety five percent of the the manual didn't actually change. Um, it does bring some clarity around some of the particular areas that there were some question marks around. So, you know, in short. Yes, there's some clarity around some bits and pieces, but there's still a world of, of stuff. And, you know, NFTs are a good example. You know, there's no guidance around NFTs. There's no guidance on the track of tax treatment at the moment around NFTs. Um, the logical, uh, you know, perspective on that is you treat it as any. So if you're buying digital art, you treat it as if you bought physical art. 
you know, for example, in, in terms of the asset value and, and the sales value and the CGT on that. But there is no guidance as such on it. Um, and, I, and I think the other challenge we've had is that there's no legislation to back some of this up. So HMRC are doing, in a nice possible ways, HMRC are doing the best possible job that, that they can do. Um, with a situation where they've got no government guidance and no SCA regulation and anything like that. Um, the main points, if you like, that we'll clarify was around, I mentioned this staking uh, situation where you can um, stake an element of your holding um, on a, on the blockchain. And what that does is supports the building of the blockchain. So without getting really technical, the, the way that Bitcoin initially was created was a mining process or so computer algorithms once they uh, created a, a, an algorithm that matched, you know, another algorithm that would effectively build the blockchain. Um, the new in inverted commas way is called proof of stake, which is um, where currency holders will stake down their currencies on the platform. And that will be used to create the blockchain. Um, and for putting your stake down, you will receive what's called a reward. Um, and that was kind of like interest. Um, you know, you'll receive a reward for, for staking. Um, and they've clarified that point around that being miscellaneous income on your tax return. So any rewards you, you, you receive from that staking process is, is, um, is classed as miscellaneous income. So that was one clarification. Um, they clarified the, 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 the questions around um, transferring coins between different ledgers um, and that you know, because crypto to crypto is taxable. So if I if I buy uh, Ethereum with Bitcoin, that is a taxable disposal of Bitcoin and a taxable kind of charge purchase or whatever you want to call it of of the Ethereum. Um, what they said was if you transfer coins between different ledgers, which people do do quite frequently, that the original cost base that you had when you initially bought it on on ledger A will carry forward onto ledger B. And therefore, you can use that against any future disposal because there were some questions around when that transfer happened. Some of the software providers that, that, that help calculate the taxes were effectively treating that as a disposal, um, which could cause a huge gain when people are actually still holding the currency, if that makes sense. Um, and then the, the third main point they, they kind of clarified was around the, uh, the fact that, you know, uh, they do class it as investing. They don't class it as, as gambling in inverted commas um and therefore um it, it's 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 a taxable you know uh, uh process so whereas gambling in the uk isn't taxable um unless you're doing it professionally so yeah so i think that they were the three kind of main main points that they clarified but the majority of it did did stay the same and it, it's just a bit easier to read now and easier to, to work through interesting well like i said it goes to show the the rise of interest within this particular sector and one of the reasons as well probably why you launched your your firm um accounts and excellence awards opens up this week and one of the um one of the uh, categories is for specialist team of the year um and you yourself it feels like you've built your own specialist team through this um through minor accountants so what do you think, Joe, is some of the key ingredients that goes behind building a successful specialist firm and being able to own your niche? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, come back to the point I made earlier on in the, in the podcast, you know, in this, in this industry of accounting, it's very, very difficult, in my opinion, to niche. It, unless you decide you're going to, you know, and stand out in that niche, I think, as well, because 
you know, a lot of accounting is so similar across, uh, you know, across different industries that, that many firms can kind of take away some of your niche because they'll just, you know, kind of say, well, we can do that as well because it's all the same type thing. So for me, you know, building a niche firm was something I've always considered. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that, that do niche. Um, and, and for me, it was around being invested in the, in the, the, the kind of subject matter being immersing myself in that world um, and living and breathing it, you know, so, I, you know, I'm on Twitter every single day reading what people are saying about cryptocurrency. You know, I'm on LinkedIn following, you know, all the relevant people that I can find and think of to, to follow what they're talking about in, in, in cryptocurrency. You know, we've joined the Crypto UK, which are the UK's trade, you know, kind of trade body for, for crypto regulation and, and whatnot in the UK um so that we you know we we're on all the calls we're on all the mail out we know exactly what's going on so for me you need to live and breathe it and i and i think in some you know in some circumstances obviously this isn't possible but you know for me i'm also able to live it literally live it because i can trade cryptocurrency you know i can you know i can put some staking down to, to see what happens and, and things like that i could buy an nft if i wanted to, to to understand that um so that was really helpful i think in this space that i could actually i can now talk to clients and say yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, not just because I've read about it, but actually because I've done it. Um, so that, yeah, for me, they're the key points is, you know, live and breathe the industry you're in, immerse yourself in the world, understand how they talk and how they how they listen and what they want to see. And, and then you can speak their language and, and I think really relate to them. Yeah, um, it's an important point you make, Joe, because, um, you know, one thing is niching isn't always easy. You know, it's, 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 it's actually to have that degree of knowledge to be able to differentiate yourself you know the reason there are niches is that because they're a bit too complicated or or just beyond the reach of, of a general but you know something you can't do with just a general passing dilettante interest um, and and i think what you embody is is that sense of of being part of it you know almost you know make making making your work something that you've actually got a bit of a passion for so so you're putting in extra hours doing the extra research kind of you know living you know the, the job the job is with you more than just those those working hours but that sort of level of commitment and and the way it's it's an integral part of your business life i, th I think that feeds it i mean we we've got you know pell artists uh that's someone who's who's in a, a music industry specialist and, and sort of operates like that as well he um, it, it does, you know. It, I guess it's good to have. Some, I mean, you, you know, yours is yours is a particularly strong niche because at the moment you've still mm. got the field to yourself, as far as we can see. But um, mm. the 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 sort of a bit more than just this is a, a commercial niche I'm developing. You know, the the motivation and and commitment is what possibly is a, is a sort of defining factor for me. Yeah, and I think it depends on on what you're trying to achieve. You know, if you're trying to you know, pick up, uh, you know, a few clients here and there and, and be a, you know, a, a, which is absolutely fine, you know, a one-man band or, you know, you're trying to be a firm that is quite small or what have you, then I think, you know, you can get away doing it slightly differently. But for me, you know, I didn't set up a niche in, in crypto to, uh, you know, to pick up a few clients here and there and, and see how it goes. You know, I've got big ambitions and big plans for, you know, for, for minor, but also Nefos, our, our main kind of accounting brand, um, you know, we've got huge plans for both of those organizations. So for me, yeah, that is what I want to do. I want to live and breathe and I want to be in it day in, day out, reading what people are saying, you know, and and, and being a part of the whole community. So, um, yeah, so I think it depends on what you want as well. You know, like I said, I'm lucky that the industry I'm in or the industry I'm niching in, I can, I can practice in. You know, if I niched in dentists, 
probably wouldn't be sensible for me to practice being a dentist. Um, I probably would hurt a few people. So do you know what I mean? So I can I can understand it much more because I can be in it much easier. Yes, yes, that yeah. That, yeah thank you for drawing the limit there. That, that is something. Yes, probably. Yes, know, know your professional limits. Uh, it's, it's always it holds true as well. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, th- um, that's all we've got time for today on, on the on the podcast. So thank you very much, Joe, and leaving us with with the scary prospect that you know you, you're tempted you might if if you're going to move into uh, uh, dentistry. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us, Joe. Thank you, John, for joining us as well, and for all your news from the world of accountancy. Join us on accountweb.co.uk, and you'll be able to read Joe's excellent piece as well on um, cryptocurrency there within accountancy. So check that out there. But until next time, I've been Richard Hattersley. This has been No Account for Taste, and we'll see you again. Bye for now.